welcome everyone. Um, tonight I have the astounding Jay Michelle, and I brought her here today because as a consultant for many tech startups, I have found that entrepreneurs and founders often spend very little time researching and understanding the financial impacts to starting their business. I've also seen a lot of folks set themselves up for failure because they did not ensure their businesses were started with their feet on firm financial ground. Furthermore, running a startup can be mentally and financially challenging. Exploring the intersection of tech and financial planning can offer insights into maintaining financial wellness, managing stress related to financial decisions, and achieving a balance between personal and professional finances. So today, we're honored to have a true powerhouse in the realm of financial empowerment and wealth creation, none other than J. Michelle Robinson. Hello. Hey. Hello. How are you? I'm so excited that you're here, and I'm so excited for this audience because you're not the ordinary wealth strategist, right? You're a financial advisor, a corporate consultant, a community leader with an unwavering commitment to addressing economic disparities in often neglected and underserved communities. Yes. Um, your life work revolves around breaking the cycle of economic suffering and providing solutions for families and companies so that they can achieve long-term financial security. So I I wanted to like spell out your accolades and really like help the audience understand that, you know, from this standpoint, you have been like a powerhouse in making sure the community is stronger. And that's kind of like the driving force behind Glitch, Grind, Glow. You know, there's a tech gap and there's financial gaps. And I felt like this would be the perfect intersection for us to help people understand, you know, how to overcome those gaps in our knowledge and our awareness. Yes. Well, yeah. thank you so much for that introduction. Um, and I absolutely love this connection because even in my previous, I don't want to call it life, but when I was working for corporate and I was a C-suite executive, I was a chief diversity officer. And one of the challenges that we faced, and it was an industry-wide challenge, was getting um, women, but specifically Black women, into Absolutely. tech. So this is awesome. And one of the things that I found is, you know, a huge barrier of getting people into tech, especially if we're talking about tech entrepreneurship, is half the time we don't even know how to structure ourselves financially. How do we separate, you know, business expenses from personal expenses? And I struggled with that, you know, when I kind of delved out into my world to be a consultant, I didn't even know where to begin. I was on LegalZoom. And I was Googling everything. And I, I think, you know, I made a few missteps along the way because I wasn't well informed. So I'm just so happy to, for you to be here, for you to answer questions for our audience about financial freedom, period, even if you're not trying to be an entrepreneur or business owner. And then furthermore, we'll kind of delve deeper into that. Sounds good to me. So before we dive in, I want to like take a little bit of a step back and understand more about what led you to become a wealth strategist. As you said, you gave us your background and you've had, you know, um, experiences in the C-suite and diversity, but how did you decide like, okay, this is what I want to be a wealth strategist right now. And, and I want to help folks. Okay. So to answer that, I got to take you back a little bit. So I am originally from a town city called Salisbury, Maryland, over on the eastern shore of yep. Maryland. And I came from a working poor family. Now, my parents, grandparents would completely deny that because they worked so hard to be able to provide for their families. But at the end of the day, we were a working poor family. My father was a taxi cab driver and my mother was a cook. And we didn't have discussions about money. The only thing that I knew about money was that every single Christmas, there were going to be a flood of presents under the Christmas Absolutely. tree. Absolutely. I'm talking about <laughs> like in our small 
house that we had, that whole living room floor was probably like halfway covered up with Christmas gifts. And I knew that I was going to get all of the latest Barbies, Barbie Dream House, yeah. Barbie 57 Chevy. My sister, who's six years older than me, was going to get all of the cool Jordans and sneakers and cross colors and all that different stuff. And then my mother was one of six children. She had five brothers. And so all of my uncles, every single Christmas was going to get a pack of tube socks and a flannel <laughs> shirt. Absolutely. And that's what I knew about money was that you right. money and you spent money. You use money to buy stuff, to buy things for yourself, to buy stuff for people. So when I turned 18 years old, I made a decision that I wanted more. And that was fueled by watching the Cosby show. I grew up on the Cosby show. I grew up looking at Claire Huxable and I knew I wanted to be a professional woman. I knew that. I wanted to, you know, have what they demonstrated to be wealth to me at that time. So the only way that I knew how to do that was to get out of Salisbury. And that meant for me joining the army. And so I joined the army, which for someone like me should have been the sweetest financial deal. You don't pay no rent. You got free room <laughs> and board. You get free meals. You wear uniforms the majority of the time. Right. So the clothes that I came with should have been just fine. But some kind of way, Candace, I found myself in Augusta, Georgia, <laughs> bouncing checks. My debit <laughs> card was declining. All of this different stuff was going on and it shouldn't have it shouldn't have been happening. But when I looked around to try to find somebody to help me, there was nobody there to help me. There was nobody there to guide me, to help me navigate and understand my finances, which is why I named my company Just Here to Help, because I made it my business when I finally got to a place of financial freedom and understanding how money works. I knew that I just was going to be like, I'm just here to help. And HELP is an acronym for helping everyone live prosperously. Oh, I love that. But also being a chief diversity officer, working in the civil rights industry for years. I spent most of my career after the military working in civil rights or diversity, equity, and inclusion. And just seeing the different impacts that, you know, happen with communities, specifically the Black community. And a lot of the negative impact, a lot of the adverse impacts, the disparities that we've seen could have been avoided if there were wealth or money um, that people had that they could use to influence. Because what I found is that the people who always had a seat at the table were people who had wealth, were people who had money. Right. And so from that experience, I'm like, I have to do something about this. And so I wanted to marry my background along with my training and finances. I'm also a licensed life insurance and annuities broker, along with my diversity, equity and inclusion experience to become a wealth strategist, to help people essentially be empowered through financial literacy and wealth management and to give us access to wealth management because a lot of companies don't want to talk to us if our net worth isn't three, four, five, ten thousand ten million dollars. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. There's so many things that you said that really resonated with me. And I feel like I have a lot of friends who are kind of in the same boat. I, I have a large population of folks where we're making more money than, you know, the generations before us, you know, we're six figures and, and all of those things, but we are still struggling to make good decisions and to protect that wealth and to grow that wealth. And so it's, you might be making the six figures, but you're still living check to check yes. and just making really, you know, um, not good financial decisions that'll set you up for future success. Right. Um, right. and that's like this new population of people. I feel like in this, in this generation here where we're making more money, but we're not making better choices. Right. I agree. And I believe it's a systemic issue because a lot of us didn't grow up with a whole lot. 
And yep. so now that we have access to money and we have our own money, we do what we couldn't do before, and that's spend it. Yep. And a lot of folks in our generation, we want to look like we got money. We want everybody to know <laughs> that we have money. And then even for those who may not really have it, we still want to have that appearance of yeah. having money and social media doesn't make it any better because everybody's on social media appearing to be living their best mm-hmm. life. And that's impacting the decisions that people are making financially. Absolutely. You know, I've, I've fallen in the trap and I completely agree. We won't talk about some of the yeah. personal decisions I regret, <laughs> but I completely agree with that. Yes. <laughs> All right. So your mission statement is intriguing to bring wealth and value to the world. Can you elaborate on what this means to you and how it shapes your approach to wealth management? Yes. So when I say to bring wealth and value to the world, this embodies my commitment to ensuring that I'm making a positive impact on the lives of individuals, families and communities For me, when I speak about wealth, it goes far beyond monetary assets. It's not just about money, but I'm looking at the holistic, you know, well-being of an individual. I'm looking at financial empowerment because even based off of the little bit that we talked about, about behaviors and trends that people have with making poor financial decisions, it's not enough just to have the money. But you have to have financial empowerment. You have to have the education. And so, you know, I'm very focused on um, creating value that goes beyond a balance sheet and what's in your bank account. Because if you don't have the proper mindset around money, you're going to find yourself caught in a vicious cycle of debt of not being able to grow your cash, of always finding yourself having to do more, do more, do more to in order to get more when in fact our money should be working for us and we shouldn't be working for money. And so my approach to wealth management and financial services is prioritizing strategies that not only help people with financial growth, but it also aligns with my values which are family. So I'm very focused on helping families be empowered financially, innovation, looking at different ways that we can accomplish our goals and strategies, as opposed to doing the same things that people have always done. I also focus on empowerment, as I mentioned, results, being compassionate, and then excellence. And so when I talk about bringing wealth and value to the world, I'm speaking about all those things, um, you know, that go beyond just the money, but also the character of an individual as well. Absolutely. I think, you know, one of the things, again, resonates with me very closely is sometimes I didn't know who I was without access to money. And, you know, I've had ups and downs with my career And have had to hit the reset button, you know, a few times. And every time it was like, well, if I don't have this high paying job or if I don't have this access to money, like, who am I? And so to me, that's really valuable to figure out, like, how do you bring your values to the table and shift your values um, as you invest in that that part of your life and into that part of your world? Yes. And, you know, again, it it has to be looked at holistically Mm -hmm. because if I am broken on the inside, if I have challenges um, that I'm dealing with within myself, it doesn't matter how much money I have. I'm going to find a way to squander it. if, if, If I if I have issues within myself and I have challenges managing a hundred thousand dollars or ten thousand mm-hmm. dollars. Me, me getting a million dollars is not going to fix whatever's going on inside of me, or should I say, with my um, mentality and how I view money. So it's all about how you view and how you see yourself and the money as well. Absolutely. 
So one thing you said um, a few seconds ago, you hit on the word innovation. And we hear innovation all over the world in tech. Like that is, you know, tech, innovation, those two things go hand in hand. So can you tell me what does it mean in terms of the context of wealth management or wealth creation? And are there specific strategies or approaches you find particularly innovative in the wealth management space? So when I speak about innovation as it relates to wealth creation and in this financial um, empowerment space, I'm speaking about ensuring that we are leveraging um, new ideas, technologies and strategies, which ultimately will optimize, you know, our financial growth and security. Uh, innovation and wealth creation, it involves a forward-thinking mindset. And an example of that is moving beyond the mindset of having money and placing it into a savings account. It's something as basic as that. Because from a historical standpoint, we think that saving money is the way to financial freedom. Saving money is the way for us to have a wonderful, fabulous retirement. When in fact, that's not reality. That's actually an outdated way of thinking. So when we start looking at innovation and looking at what's the new way to do things, the new way to do things is to For example, leveraging cash value life insurance in order to create retirement income, create capital to invest, uh, to pay off your debt, looking at a product that people don't typically commonly think about when it comes to finances and wealth, looking at it and seeing how you can leverage it. Also looking at how to utilize data. Data is so important, especially me as a wealth strategist, Mm -hmm. analyzing market trends, looking at different data, looking at different risks, and looking at all those things to tailor an actual investment strategy for my clients. Everything cannot be a one-size-fits-all solution. Everything really should be tailored to meet the needs and the goals of a client, And being able to have real-time data, being able to review market trends is something that we're able to utilize and leverage in an innovative fashion to ensure that people are meeting their goals. There's one other thing that um, I'm not, I haven't been utilizing this, but I plan on implementing this into my practice. And that's the concept of robo advisors. I don't know if you've heard of it before, but you know, with AI becoming a thing now and us really trying to figure out how to be able to serve more people um, with less manpower, utilizing robo-advisors and just AI to be able to assist our clients in real time is another innovative solution that I believe is changing the landscape of wealth management. You know, that's so awesome to hear that because, you know, a few years ago, I set myself up to say, you know what, I'm going to you know, adopt one of those robo advisors. And there were so many offerings out there. And I was like, I don't know how to navigate which one's better, like how to choose. So I think this is a great place to like understand with this community that like they are trusted, that they're ones that exist out there. And so um, I haven't looked very far into which ones to use and things like that. But I feel like that could be an even another topic that you and I can talk about in the future and really give people some understanding as to how to choose the appropriate one. I would love to have that conversation. That would be great. Awesome. Um, And, you know, I know like, you know, I don't want you to give away all the secrets for free, but what I find people ask the most of the time is like, I don't have a lot of money to, uh, and and you talked about savings and people's traditional way of trying to build their wealth is like, I'm going to put money in a savings account, but I don't have that much. Like I got $200, I got $150 a month that I can spare. So not necessarily, you know, the saving strategy, but what would you say um, your strategy would be for someone who is like, I got limited excess income. Where do they start? Like, 
what's the best thing to try? Well, Candace, you would actually probably be surprised that the majority of people, regardless of what their income is, probably says some of the same things. And that's, I don't have enough money uh, mm-hmm. to invest. I don't have enough money to plan for my future. And so where I believe that people need to start off at is actually by prioritizing budgeting. And that word is it's like it's the B word. It's, it's the word that people don't like to talk about nowadays. And <laughs> if people were to be honest, and if I were to do a survey and be like, do you have a, do you actually have a budget that you utilize every single month to identify how much money you have coming in, how much money you have going out? Are you tracking your spending? Most people, if they will be honest, they would have to say no. And so that's the first place that people need to start with. Um, having a limited income, honestly, most people have more money than they think they have. Mm-hmm. The issue is they don't know where their money is going. And, you know, my personal financial advisor, Dr. Lynn Richardson, she often says that money, you know, it comes into our lives. But if we don't pay attention to it, it'll walk away from us quietly and we will have no idea where it went to. And so that's what's that part to to a lot of people is, you know, they're living by this. Um, what she calls the check to Monday syndrome, which, you know, is you get paid on Friday, you got enough money to pay your past due bills, you go out and you spend money on eating out and doing all these things, and then you don't have any money by uh, Monday, as right. opposed to living from check to check. It's like check to check is out the door now. People just barely <laughs> it to Monday, from Friday to right. Monday. And so right. prioritizing, creating a budget, Making sure that you understand what your income, your expenses are, and where your money is going. Because I'm willing to bet if you will begin to track your expenses, if you would really look at your credit card bills and see where your money is going, that there is money that you would be able to reroute to be able to leverage and utilize to do other things with, like saving, investing, and so on. So the first thing would be to prioritize budgeting. The second thing that I would encourage people to do is to establish an emergency fund. So before we even get to the investing and doing all of the other things, make sure that you have an emergency fund. And again, a lot of people will say, well, John Tay, Jay Michelle, I don't have the money to put away six months of living expenses because that's the standard, right? That you should save at least six months, three to six months of living expenses. Well, start with trying to save $1,000. Get to your first $1,000 first, which is way more attainable than trying to do the three to six months and then build up from there. Then I would tell people to utilize some type of automated savings or transferring system so that you are automatically paying yourself when you get paid, you should be saving no less than 10% of of what you are making every single time you're getting paid or every single time you're getting some type of money. And that 10% should be going into a high-yield savings account, not just a regular credit union that's going to pay you barely 1% interest, but there's accounts like... Uh, American Express savings. And there's some other ones out there that'll pay you four or 5% interest. So if you're going to do a savings account, do something like that. Um, I mentioned life insurance earlier. Um, Start with trying to invest your money in ETFs as opposed to buying individual stocks. And what an ETF is, is like a packaging of different stocks. And I always would say go for a tech stock. Um, There's one that has like Apple, Microsoft, and there's a couple of others in this ETF. Tech stocks are always great stocks to get. And they're not a lot of money. I mean, you mentioned somebody may say they only have a couple of hundred dollars. You can buy a stock with a couple of hundred dollars. You may be able to buy a few of them depending on which ones you pick. So those, because I I could go on and on and on because this is my my thing, right? Um, So those are a couple of strategies. I'll pause there just in case you have some additional follow-up questions or if there's something specific you want to dig into. 
Yeah. I mean, one of the things that you mentioned was the automatic savings like apps. And I, and I think the every bank probably now has the roundup where if you round up your purchase to the whole dollar, they'll save off. I downloaded this app a few years ago called Digit. And I forgot that that thing was even siphoning money out of my account. And one day I went to go back and look at it and I had saved miraculously like $3,000. Um, and I was like, what? I And I completely forgot that thing existed until one day I saw it started. Um, it had some type of algorithm where if you were closer to your deadline, like you were saving up. And at the time we were saving up for our wedding. And if you're closer to your wedding deadline, it would start more aggressively saving mm. money for you. And one day, so it snatched $200 out of my account. And I said, what is this thing snatching money out of my account? And I went and found it. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's that app I set up years ago. So, like, I definitely thought that was valuable. I would say track yeah. it better than I did yes, um, and, and possibly use your bank. But... That is so true. And you know what? You just, when you were just saying that, something else just jumped out at me for people who may not feel like they have a certain amount of money. Mm-hmm. You need to check and see like what subscriptions you're paying because a whole <laughs> bunch of people are paying money yeah. <laughs> for subscriptions that they don't even use. You done signed up for something that told you that the first three months was free and you had and now, yep. to go back and cancel it and you forgot to cancel it and you're just paying out that money and that's money that you could right. be utilizing to round up and save. As you mentioned, it's money you could be utilizing to get an ETF. Mm-hmm. Um, to buy a stock, to buy a REIT. You know, there's all different types of things that are out there that, you know, you don't need a whole lot of money to get started. Yeah. And, and the other thing that you touched on was the budget thing. I think a lot of times people, and everybody knows like a budget is a good thing to have. It's a good tool, but people don't want to get realistic with how much do I actually spend eating out? How much do I actually spend shopping and buying randomness at Target and CVS? Things that aren't even like a tangible, like it wasn't a a large purchase you made. It's all the little ones added up and, and you don't really want to know because then that'll force you to have to check that yeah. behavior and you can't just go willy nilly swiping your card and going everywhere. And so I remember when, again, we were getting ready for our wedding and we're trying to like budget out our lives and purchase for our home. And and it was not pretty. And when we started to analyze some of the things that we were just frivolously spending money on, I, I mean, Dunkin' Donuts was getting hundreds <laughs> of dollars from me in a month. Uh, and I was like, I'm a little bit embarrassed. <laughs> So I completely. The only reason why Dunkin' Donuts don't get my money is because we don't got one over here. Because right. over there on the East Coast, I'd be tearing them up. <laughs> I'd be, I'm shocked how much money I spend at Dunkin' Donuts in a given month. Absolutely appalled. And got every Keurig, French press, you know, drip coffee pot in my house, but I'm still spending a hundred and something dollars a month at Dunkin' Donuts. Yep. That's I didn't so change, much. but I do know it. And, I, and I'm. You know, I, I accepted it and I moved forward and added it to as a line item in my budget. And that but is I, the key. That's you the said key. what? I said, that's the key, though, because, see, I will never tell people that you just shouldn't do that. If right. you can afford to do it, I absolutely believe you should enjoy the fruit of your labor. Mm-hmm. My husband's thing is he going to go to Emerald Smoothie. He want a smoothie five days a week. We go to the gym. He <laughs> right. to buy a smoothie. You know, um, I like Starbucks. Starbucks is the thing over yeah. here. We don't have a Dunkin' Donuts. But it's not taking away from us being able to save, being able to invest. We're not in debt. So it's all good. And I ain't yeah. going to talk about when I looked at our credit card bill one time and seeing how much money we spent a month eating out. I'm not even going <laughs> to. It's, it's appalling. You're like, what do we actually eat in the house? If we spend this much money eating outside the house, yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> well, that's funny, but you know, I, when you rip the you know the covers off and kind of look at you know dead in the eyes, like us establishing a budget really helped us kind of accomplish a lot of our goals. So I I, I agree that that's like the basis and the key that helped us get started. 
All right. So next question, I feel like you've hit on this. So I don't want to, if, if we don't have a lot to add to it, um, you've talked about a lot of innovative things. So are there any other trends or emerging technologies that you find interesting or impactful? And, you know, again, if you've already exhausted the list, you've touched on a lot of things. Completely up to one. you. I got I got one that I'm very okay about because I am it's it's a part of my vision to be able to get into this place, and that's a virtual reality. Okay. Um, I believe that there is a place and I and people are already doing it for financial services to be offered in virtual reality. Um, you know, we see all this different stuff in the metaverse. People are purchasing real estate and doing all these different things. So I believe that the introduction of financial advisors and even being able to be in virtual reality and showing people how to invest and having those conversations in in that space as opposed to doing it over a Zoom or in Teams, but actually being in like virtual reality, that's 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 coming. I just want to let you all know that that is absolutely on the horizon. Um, it's it's becoming a thing. Again, that's something I can't even imagine. Like. So are we going to meet with our advisor in virtual reality? Is he, is he walking us through like the graphs? Like what, what does it look like? Yeah. There will be some <laughs> of that. So that would just be like, for example, me purchasing the space. And I'm just going to use the metaverse because that's the only one that I'm you know familiar, familiar with. But me purchasing the space within that platform and creating like my business there, like having a, a corporate office. Oh, that's so awesome. You, your avatar, yeah, would be able to like come in and engage with me and, and we would be able to do business there. And it may not even necessarily be like real business, like people are really operating in virtual reality and it's like its own set. I mean, it's virtual reality. Right. It's not It's not real, right? But I believe that there's a space in virtual reality um, where you're going to start seeing more investing and, and real estate transaction within the platform because people are already doing it from the real estate standpoint. Like I saw, um, I don't know if you call it property or what, but like space on sale in the metaverse. Oh my God. People actually purchase. They it has its own currency. So wow. that being said, there's going to be a need for financial advisors and wealth management with inside of uh, virtual reality. And I'm just waiting for things to settle down some and me to find somebody who can build this out for me. Because I know it's going to be a thing. So you're a tech person. If you know yep. people who are into VR, please send them my way. Because I want to have that conversation. I know a few. I'm not like, uh, that's not my uh, my area of expertise. But I do know quite a few. And now I'm got to be like, uh, do we need to build something around this? And, mm -hmm. you know, like make a space for other people who are entrepreneurs in the space that would like you, you know, like you said, real estate, um, you know, a financial and wealth management specialist. Mm -hmm. That might be something that we could get into. Absolutely. Awesome. So moving into the space specifically for like a lot of the entrepreneurs that we have in our space, um, you've undoubtedly worked with various entrepreneurs what advice do you have for those who are trying to establish themselves as entrepreneurs, especially when it comes to building and managing their wealth and their financial future for themselves and their business? So I do quite a bit of work with business owners. And one of the things that I have found out is a lot of business owners, entrepreneurs, initially they have an idea and they just go out there and they start a business and they start just trying to push forward and they don't have all of their systems in place. Right. And so one of the very first things that I work with my business clients on who are coming to me, even from a wealth perspective, is making sure that they have a business plan. Because, again, a lot of folks just they have an idea 
and they know what they want to do and they just start doing it, but they don't have any goals. They don't know who their target market is. They don't know what their revenue streams are, financial projections. They're like, what, what's that? So I got an idea and that's all I got. And and yeah, and that's actually what a business plan is for. A lot of people are like, well, I'm not going to be going and trying to get capital from a bank. I don't need a business plan. You need a business plan for you, whether you realize it or not. So creating a a comprehensive business plan that's a roadmap to guide your business decision and make sure that as you are creating your goals, that then you're like making sure that you have financial goals and strategies attached to that. And then one of the main issues that I'm seeing, and I think you said something about it earlier, was separating personal and business finances. Because a lot of us, were like a one woman, one man shop yep. when we start off. So we're using our own personal money and we're using our own personal bank accounts and we're using our personal credit cards. And it's so important for accounting purposes and even for the purposes of if you do decide that you want to get capital or business credit, that you have a clear distinction between your personal finances and your business finances, making sure that you have a dedicated business account. Um, All of these things streamline your financial uh, management and it helps you track your expenses more effectively. Um, This is important. We're in tax season. Yeah. A lot of us business owners, you know, are banging our head up against the desk because it's like this tax season. And, you know, some people haven't managed um, tracking their expenses as business owners. There are a lot of deductions that we have the ability to take. But it takes work for us to keep track of all of those expenses and keeping them separate from our personal expenses. So um, that's very key for uh, entrepreneurs as well. Then, you know, making sure that you have emergency monies for your business. Um, Always make sure that you diversify your income streams. Um, I just don't believe in relying on one source of income, even Mm -hmm. though I am a business owner, I have multiple streams of income and I would encourage any other business owner to do that. And that doesn't mean that you have to have all these businesses, these different businesses. What it means is you have your business and you may want to ensure that you have a stock portfolio, you know, and that you have stocks that give you dividends back. But making sure that you have those different income streams um, and prioritize retirement planning because you know what? Business owners, we don't get no pension. (laughs) Right. We don't get no pension. (laughs) Right. And I'm not working until I I drop dead. Right. So we need to have a retirement strategy and a lot of entrepreneurs aren't thinking about that. You need to set up your own like um, IRA and, you know, there's different things that you can do. And, you know, I'm going to sound like a broken record, but I need our people to really understand that life insurance is a tool that we can leverage, get you a properly structured, and I got to say it like that, life insurance policy, because as a business owner, you need life insurance. um, And then you can plan for retirement and have capital all in that one product. So those are just a couple of things that I recommend for um, budding entrepreneurs, new entrepreneurs. Yeah, it's a lot of information and it can be like really overwhelming. And so it's like, you know, more power to people that want to start their entrepreneurship journey and don't actually go find someone to help walk through this this with them. Um, I, again, I was one of those people. It was rocky. I, you know, was running into all kinds of problems. The things like you said, I wasn't separating out my business accounts. And so I was having trouble tracking and at tax time with my tax advisor it was a hot mess. Like it took me years to even just say, okay, I'm not going to make any purchases using my personal debit card. I'm going to go get a business checking and savings account, a line of credit. And then I'm only, I'm going to be very strict with only using those cards to make purchases because I was unwinding finances at tax time where, oh yeah, I forgot I, you know, use that to pay this thing over here. And it was, it was just 
chaotic. Um, and you know, and I ran into a lot of issues and problems and things weren't accounted properly. So I completely like for those people who want to start a business, you know, I think you should give Jay Michelle a call because, you know, there are things where you can do it on your own, but it just, it's the hard road to toe. It is. And you don't have to do it by yourself. Um, I mean, certainly I'm available, but I'm going to tell you all a secret. Every single state typically has some type of uh, state body that's like an office of minority women owned business type, you know, organization. And then there's also that's attached to those are firms that provide technical assistance to small businesses, women-owned businesses, minority-owned businesses, and you can get what's called technical assistance for free. And while that word may seem like technical assistance, I don't need tech help. No, (laughs) that's just the terminology that's used from a government perspective that deals with equipping uh, businesses with what they need. And those businesses get hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars to help small businesses, and you can get that help for free. Um, wow. There's people who work with me in the state of Washington that don't pay me directly. They go through our organization. It's called Tabor 100. They go through Tabor 100, um, and they request me. You have to be a have a Washington UBI, but they get to work with me for free. Um, and the company, the organization pays me and I work with them to create their business plans Wow! and to help them create their financial plans and all of those different things. And it's free of charge to them. I'm almost 100 percent sure what whoever, wherever you're watching me from, they have a similar organization in your region. That's awesome. And, I, you know, I, that is something that like speaks to you know, the community building, right? Because no one has ever said that to me and explained that to me and that that's available. Even other, I know quite a few other minority or women-owned businesses, and they might not have access to that information, or maybe they do, but they didn't share it, right? So it's one of those things where it's like that just, you know, really speaks volumes to the community building that you believe in and and the value system there. Mm Mm-hmm. Awesome. So, you know, entrepreneurship comes with challenges. What do you think are like maybe the the one or two most common pitfalls you've observed when managing finances for entrepreneurs? Is that the not separating out the, you know, the finances or what do you think might be the the most common? That's a main one. But since we touched on that, I'm going to jump to neglecting financial planning because I think people have an idea, they want to accomplish that idea. And then we go into focusing on the day-to-day operations of our business. And we don't do those long-term projections specifically as it relates to financial planning. And this results in a lot of missed opportunities. It results in business owners ending up in debt because mm-hmm. you failed to plan financially. So now you're relying on credit cards to be able to pay for different business expenses that you may have. And then, you know, that failing to plan financially is why I have several business owners now who are over the age of 63, 64, 65, and they really don't want to continue to be like hands-on in their business day to day, but they have to because they failed to plan financially. So I would say that one of the biggest challenges is failing to have a financial plan. Um, The second one would be that tax planning, which can go back to that separating your, your funds. But we have to recognize as business owners there's like hundreds of tax deductions that we have access to that the IRS code gives these provisions and we have all of these like deductions. I'm going to tell you this, regardless if you're an LLC or a C-Corp, you need to make sure that you have a home-based business as well 
because okay. that will open up the door for all kinds of tax write-offs. And just be, being a consultant in itself, you don't have to have an LLC to do that. Um, not saying you shouldn't. I'm a, I do consulting. I have an LLC, but I also have a home-based business. But you want to make sure that you are taking advantage of these things, that you're planning you know, doing the tax planning, track your mileage. When you're doing business, make sure that you're tracking tracking your mileage. If you are having business conversations over lunch, make sure that you are writing on the back of that receipt who you were with and what you were talking about as it relates to business. We spend so much money and a lot of it could be very much related to the business that we're doing. But because we're doing a poor job of tracking our expenses, we're just giving. Throwing that money away. Our money. When really, um, we think the IRS is against us. But from a small business perspective, the IRS actually favors small businesses. Wow. Wow. So... Is it sufficient in that case? Because I have, you know, a few friends that I'll see them like whip out the receipt and just write down the name and number. And is that enough evidence or enough documentation for you to file your taxes later with those launch meetings and things like that? You what I do is I write down the names of the people who were at the lunch or at the Mm -hmm. dinner. And I write down what we were discussing. So if we were doing uh, marketing strategy, I just write down marketing strategy, um, planning or whatever. Um, But yeah, that's all that you need because really you're keeping those receipts in the event that you ever get audited. You want to make sure that you have your receipts and that you're able to be able to document how it was a business expense. So yes, that's all you need. You don't need a fancy spreadsheet with all your expenses and what it was for. Uh, Whip that receipt out, turn it over on the back and write on that receipt and then throw it in your file. Okay. That's very helpful because sometimes people don't want to spend the extra money on the, the tools or the software, all the things that they feel like they need. So I think that's really like helpful information to the audience. And Candace, I want to say something about that because you're right. And as small businesses, it can be pricey spending money on the tools. But these organizations that I'm speaking of, they will pay for those tools for you. My clients get QuickBooks for free. They get Microsoft Office 365 for free. And if there is a DocuSign. um, Yep. All of those things. Yeah. And if there's a specific software that you need for your business to run efficiently, it can be approved where these organizations will pay for it. So it's really important to get plugged in and to yeah. be aware of what um, benefits are available to you. That is game changing. Because uh, I, again, no idea that that existed and those types of support existed. Um because yeah, it was it was definitely a long journey when I was trying to find all of that information. So I, I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, so entrepreneurs can have unique financial situations. Uh, are there any investment strategies you shared a lot earlier today that were you know definitely beneficial for business owners and individuals? But are there any that you think are more tailored to entrepreneurs um, or recommended for those? business owners versus individuals? Yeah, I think that one of the main things is looking for investment opportunities that are liquid, uh, where you have access to your cash. Because as entrepreneurs, we face so many unpredictable Mm -hmm. uh, cash flow situations that are tied to our business. So we want to make sure that a portion of whatever we're investing in is allocated to liquid assets. Um, so that from a short-term perspective, uh, we have the ability to access those funds. Um, also, just making sure that you retain an emergency business fund. I cannot um, emphasize that enough. And I know it's not like a glamorous investment right. strategy, but it's so important because we really want to avoid getting into the cycle of getting buried in debt. Mm -hmm. A lot of entrepreneurs 
failed to really make a lot of profit because there's a lot of debt um, that's attached to their business. They're constantly having to pay back loans, pay you know monthly credit card bills, high interest rates, all of these different things. Having that reserve account to be able to utilize when you need to make large purchases or when there's an emergency is a game changer as it relates to being profitable. So while it may not be, you know, super sexy, um, having an emergency business fund is, is critical. Um, and then the last one, and I said this before, um, but the retirement accounts, you know, maxing out an IRA, um, you know, getting an annuity, um, you know, those are investments that are so important for entrepreneurs because what are you, what do we have to depend on when it's time for us to, you know, move on and want to enjoy life as we begin to get older? Um, some of us are not going to have access to social security, depending on, you know, how much time, um, we spent in the workforce or whether or not we're investing in social security um, as business owners. So what is the plan? What is the strategy for your future? And so making sure you have an annuity, which those funds can be invested in the stock market. IRAs, you know, you can have mutual funds, just these different things I think are very important and tailored to the needs of an entrepreneur because we don't have pensions in the government that we can depend on. Absolutely. So piggybacking on to, you know, those strategies, do you, are there any that are more um, that we need to adapt in different ways based on navigating changes in the economy or the market fluctuations? Are there recommendations that you'd push more towards a certain type of economy or if the market is doing certain things in, in certain trends? Like, what are your thoughts about that? So my thoughts are, it's really about what your risk tolerance is. The market is always going to go up and it's going to go down and yep. it, it levels out at the end of the day. Um, things to keep in mind are when are you going to need to have access to your money? When you're putting money into an investment and it's for long term, you have space to be a little bit riskier because you have time to wait for the market, um, you know, to balance out. If this is money that you're going to need to have access to potentially, if it's for short term savings, then you don't want to put it into something where there's a huge amount of risk. So it's really about what your goals are and what your risk tolerance is as it relates to choosing those different investments um, that would work for you and your needs. That makes a lot of sense. I'm super risk adverse. So I'm one of those people that are like very chicken. If you ask me like where I'm going to put my money, it's going to be in some, you know, very stable, you know, uh, probably very slow growing investment vehicle. And I'm trying, my husband, on the other hand, is very risky. Um, and so we're, I'm trying to like move myself more to the middle of the spectrum. Mm -hmm. uh, I haven't made it yet, though. Yeah, I, I would recommend for you something like a ETF that I mentioned earlier. Yep. Um, one of those, you know, that are pack uh, tech packages. And then also um, REITs, which are real estate investment trust. And those okay. are purchased on the stock market as well. And people, a lot of people are just now becoming familiar with REITs, but they've been around forever. And that's all of these spaces that these large corporations are leasing out, you know, these spaces essentially are, um, they have investors that invest in them because they know it's a no brainer like MGM, right. um, you know, Amazon doesn't necessarily own like all of their warehouses and properties. That's a wow. that owns that property. And so you can look that information up. Um, you know, in the various stock platforms and purchase wow. those. And that's a very safe way to invest. And a lot of them pay dividends. Wow. 
Yeah, I knew nothing about those things either. So it's like, it's amazing all of the different avenues that are available. And really, you can cater to what your level of comfort yes. is. And, and if you're, you know, more risk prone or or you like to take bigger risks for higher rewards, you mm-hmm. you have options for you. And then for those scaredy cats like me, there's yeah. options for me. There's <laughs> options for everybody. All right. <laughs> Well, I really appreciate this time that I've had with you today to to kind of pick your brain and explore. Um, again, there's so much information that's available out there and like having someone who can really help you navigate it is invaluable. Um, Cause you know, the internet has all the information. If you could try to go learn certain things, but to have someone that can break things down and explain you know, in, in regular terms and things or ways that you can understand, like I said, is invaluable. And it's just, it's awesome to be able to share this time with you and just kind of think through options for those people who this is a completely new world for them. So before, I'm sorry. No, I was just saying, thank you so much. Yes, this is so important. So I appreciate you opening up this door and opportunity for me to share because you're right. There is a lot of information out there and it's so much more um, effective to actually have a person who you know, um, as opposed to going on TikTok and uh, Instagram (laughs) and Facebook and getting financial advice from there. (laughs) Because <laughs> right. there's so many videos. They sound so like, you know, reasonable, but I'm like, I don't know if I should be taking advice from the TikTok man. I don't, yeah. I don't know if that's going to work out well for me. <laughs> but um, before we wrap up, do you have any final thoughts or key takeaways for our listeners? Yes, yes, yes. So the first thing is... Um, Continuous learning. Make sure that you are taking the time out to listen into podcasts such as this, uh, making sure that you are tapping into credible um, online classes or even in-person classes. There's so many wealth advisors, financial advisors um, who are sharing really, really great information. So make sure that you are investing in yourself. Um, make sure that you are per Uh, prioritizing financial discipline. It all starts with mindset. And if Mm -hmm. you don't have financial discipline, you are going to consistently find yourself um, always trying to get out of debt, always trying to get ahead, always trying to get more money. Make sure that you practice what I called mindful spending. Uh, Don't go into the Walmart for some eggs and get a shopping cart. Don't do it <laughs> and walk out with half the store in exactly. your car. That's why I don't get a shopping cart. And I had to learn that for myself. So practice right. mindful spending um, and then make sure that you are being strategic with your business and financial planning. Um, those are three things that I would emphasize as we close out today. Awesome. For those listeners that are going to be listening to audio only, I also want, you know, I'll, I'm going to drop socials and, you know, in all the platforms so that people can reach out and get in contact with you. But for those people that are just going to be listening to the audio, can you share what are the best ways that people can connect with you and reach out to you or follow you? You can connect with me on both Facebook and Instagram uh, at J. Michelle Robinson. And then please go to YouTube and subscribe to my YouTube channel, um, J. Michelle Robinson, Just Here to Help channel. And you will be able to tune in to my Money Monday podcast that comes on every single Monday, 9.15 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, 12.15 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, where I am a trusted source who will be talking about all things money and personal finance. Awesome. And that's every Monday. What was the time again? Sorry. It's called Money Monday and it streams through YouTube as well as Facebook. Okay, perfect. Well, thank you so much for your time and thanks for sharing your insights on wealth creation through innovation and providing valuable advice for entrepreneurs 
And as always, thank you listeners for joining us on Glitch, Grind, Glow. Stay tuned for more episodes where we explore innovative approaches to financial success with Jay Michelle. I'm going to cue her up and I'm going to be all over her calendar for the next few months. So stay tuned because we will see her again. Thank you, Candice. Thanks, everyone. Thank you.